welcome. Welcome, my friends, to the Biggers and Brawlers podcast. This is episode 60, recorded Tuesday, the 1st of November, 2022, which is the release date of our anthology, The Alchemy of Sorrow. And to celebrate, I've got an interview with another of our fine authors, as well as a good friend, Angela Board, on writing characters in need of redemption, kids who don't get fridged, and the importance of doors. Angela Board writes giant fantasy novels that blend genres from romance to historical, epic, and beyond at her kitchen table surrounded by her kids' Legos and Nerf guns. She likes to take broken characters in need of redemption, patch them up, and give them a little hope in the darkness. She also likes mercenaries, renaissance weaponry, and twisty spy plots. A Matter of Trust is set in Angela's Interior and Empire series, and there might be a few Easter eggs for Fortune's Fool scattered here and there throughout the story. Angela, welcome to the podcast. Hi, glad to be here. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome to have you. Um, and it looks like you've escaped the table of Legos and Nerf guns. I have. There may be a few behind me. But <laughs> <laughs> I have a door on this room, so that's good. <laughs> Doors are important. Yep. Yeah, when we got this house, I was like, ooh, look, there's a whole separate garage. <laughs> that is very nice. Yeah, very nice. Um, so yeah, we're here to talk about A Matter of Trust, which I thought was awesome, as ever with your writing. Did you write this one for the anthology, or did you have it uh, in brain or on paper before Virginia contacted us? I wrote it for the anthology. I actually mm. tried to write a different story first that I already had down mm. that was um, Kira, was the main character of that. Oh, nice. Character of, yeah, Fortune's Fool. Yeah. But um, she takes a lot more space. <laughs> So I couldn't smush that one, even until, you know, matter trust is, is long, but that one was going to just be too much. So, um, yeah, so I wrote this one for the anthology and it, well, it had been an idea that was kind of bugging me for a little while, at least the, mm -hmm. when I write stories, the characters show up first. Yeah. So, you know, Bastion, it kind of walked into my head and had mm -hmm. some scenes and stuff in my head. So it was kind of mm -hmm. an opportunity to do that yeah I can totally feel that in the story how like like we come into him like in the middle of his story you know like he's already got this angst about what happened and yeah. he's he's in a hard place um and yeah I'm not surprised because I feel like you know like one of your strengths is writing characters that are so believable like Lysandra just like she's just a yeah she is so believable in Bastion too um, that I'm not surprised that that's where you started. Um, and, uh, and I love where it goes, like without giving things away. Um, my reading of it anyway, is that his, his, so he's got like grief for, he's got grief for a relationship rather than like someone who's gone or a thing that's gone, but for a relationship that's gone. And I think that's awesome. Cause I, um, I feel like that's not the first thing that I think about when I think about writing grief in this anthology of grief and hope. So you started with him in this total stew. Uh, did you have a sense of where he was going to go after, after the plot happened to him or? Yeah. So I, when I was thinking about it, I kind of, I kind of, when I write stories, I have the end in mind, you know, mm -hmm. like I have where I want, where I think that they'll go. And I like to, you know, I like to get people through things and write redemption arts and, and yeah. stuff, but, um, but it always surprises me kind of how they get there. 
mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. it wasn't exactly, a, it didn't exactly happen the way I thought it would. It was like a little mm. bit deeper, a little bit more. And um, the, the kids were involved a little bit yeah. more too. So that, I don't know, it, it made me happy. The story made me happy to write. So I was. Totally. That's another thing that I really appreciated. And I mean, we're both parents um, is that the kids are more than like just things to be brushed aside for the plot to happen or like motivations that don't do anything, you know, like the like yeah. person who gets fridged or whatever, like, oh, yeah, they're in the thick of it. I can't and, do that. I can't deal with that. Yeah, like Kids sure. get hurt and stuff. That's one of my, you know, I have to be warned about that. Yeah, me too. I, I, it was so funny before I became a dad, I was like, oh, sure, whatever. And now there's some movies where I'm like, why do you don't have to no. do this? <laughs> right, exactly. I yep. know. <laughs> yeah, I can't. And I do think that, I think that you're right, though, in, in a lot of novels, you just see, even if they're not getting, you know, hurt for sympathy value, right. kind of, um, that they're just sort of, I don't know, it's not like they're, they're just like stock characters that are kind of moved yeah. around for humor or whatever. They don't actually get a part in the story, really. Yeah, or like they're the motivation to like move the parents to do something, you know, but like right. the actual right. scenes that we get with them together are very light. Yeah. So. Yeah. They're difficult to write, though, I think. Totally. Yep. I was, yeah, uh, Jacko, I think, is the name of the the um younger jessica yeah. yeah um my my son cormac is just like at that age where he oh has yeah a thousand questions <laughs> and that dialogue is actually like it would look ridiculous on the page if i actually just transcribed like what oh um, i know yeah. like this does like there's too many questions there they actually have lots of repetitions in them yeah, yeah I, he's he's kind of like that character is uh is kind of like um my nine-year-old a little bit i have a lot so I guess I should, I have, you know, tell everybody I have, I have nine kids, seven of them mm-hmm. are boys. So I've <laughs> gone through this stage quite a bit, yep. but my nine-year-old is definitely, he is a talker. Most of my kids are mm. introverts. So I have a couple mm. of extroverts and he's yeah. an extrovert and yeah. Mm. So every morning I'm writing at the kitchen table and he's standing next to me and saying things over and over again. So, uh-huh. Yep, I totally get that too. Yeah. Like in the middle of a different conversation, he's got a question. Yeah. He's keep asking it until I respond. <laughs> right, right. I have to switch gears too. You know, like mm-hmm. I'm doing one thing and he's asking, and I can hear him, but I have to mentally switch gears. And by the time I switch gears, he's like asking me ten questions. Yeah. You know, and then I've totally. got to go. Okay, wait. Where did he start? Like, how can I <laughs> get all of these in? But- <laughs> yeah. Yeah, totally. I I admire you for being able to do any other task because when I'm being bombarded with questions like that, like I can't, at least I can't write anyway. Yeah, it's it's difficult. It's, um, I don't know. It's like a sort of, I mean, it's always nice to have a door, but it was yeah. one of those things that I did out of desperation, I think. Like, yeah. you know, that was the space I had and and uh, I try to do it when the kids aren't, or you know, around as much or whatever. But, mm-hmm. but I did. I think it's just it's like a lot of practice where you go, mm-hmm. okay, I got to stop and turn and do answer thing, you know, break up a fight, solve a problem, you know, <laughs> uh-huh. wipe up a mat, and then get back to work again. <laughs> so it's uh, I don't know. I don't know if I do it real well. Sometimes I wonder mm. if you can tell in my stories huh. how many times I've actually stopped 
<laughs> to solve the problem. I mean, not? if if you can do it at all, you're doing it well. That's yeah. that's how I feel about it. Because those are muscles that actually don't exist don't in my brain. Like I, can't. I don't know. They're... <laughs> Or they're they're completely atrophied. It would, I feel like it would take me a long time to be able to it's, put that on pause. Yeah, yeah. It's just mm-hmm. practice, I guess. I don't know. I still would rather have like I write a lot in the car mm-hmm. when um, I'm waiting on my youngest daughter who is mm-hmm. disabled. She has like speech therapy and occupational mm-hmm. therapy, mm-hmm. and while I'm waiting on her, I have mm-hmm. time in the car, and so mm-hmm. that's like my office. That's awesome. Yeah. I do lots of, this is actually the first uh, interview I've done for our series that hasn't been in a car because <laughs> they've all been <laughs> after I take my kids to I school mean, and I'm like, I've got a car. It's going to be quiet. Mm-hmm, they have doors. So. Yep. Yeah. They have doors. Doors, doors are, great. are important. <laughs> <laughs> the doors are a symbol of don't come in here. <laughs> right. Exactly. I mean, they don't always work that way, <laughs> but, but they slow them down anyway. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, well, maybe the payoff of all of that is that you write real and believable child characters instead of, you know. Yeah, and you know, I think that like I like to. I mean, as a fantasy writer, that whole write what you know stuff mm-hmm. is kind of like yeah. you're like, well, whatever. But but it yeah. does help. I think like you're putting stuff that is familiar to you and that you relate to into your characters. You're just translating it into different fantastic settings and, you know, totally different world building and stuff. But you still like people relate to what's human and yeah. familiar in the unfamiliar, I think. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we still have to be true to human character even if we're writing about magic or or whatever right, or technology right, in places exactly. that never existed yeah 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 and i like i yeah i felt just how real both lissandra and um bastion's ex whose name i'm forgetting ava um, ava yeah yeah you know the part about uh yeah about feeling attractive like after having kids and, and how um, Ava like felt overtouched. Like I remember going through that with my wife of a time when like I'm missing it and she's got so much baby under all the yeah. time that she's like, don't touch me. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, it's are... hard. It, that's a, it's, I guess I, you know, I put those things into my writing because that's uh, obviously nine kids. That's, you know, yeah. it's, long right. that takes a long time many years like i was nursing or pregnant for many years yeah. of my life so yeah that was i was a big you know it's a big deal and so when i'm when i'm writing stuff i write about things that matter to me yeah. you know that stuff comes up and so it's just I, really cool to to see it in here and to see it like so real like obviously i've never been a mother but i've been around one pretty intensely for the last five years um, and it's just cool to see it so real and um, and to feel how I don't feel like I read that many stories that have, again, mothers that aren't like separated from their kids and desperately trying oh, to get right. them back or whatever, you yeah. know, like, but who are just actually in it and going through like the messiness of relationships that have right. to shift when a couple becomes a family. Yeah, that is, a you know, I, I that's something that kind of annoys me uh, when I, mm-hmm. you know, like all the mothers that you see that are like, well, they're usually dead. So, mm, yeah, you know, totally. like you're they're they've died and it's some, you know, a motivation for 
for uh for a protagonist usually yeah who's not a mom who's not a mom right so it's you know i think it's important to get some of those other characters in there to put your to put that experience to see it on the page you know it's 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 just it's I would like to see some of my experience on the page. And so I'm a writer, so mm-hmm. I can put it on the page, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, like, I I would argue, at least in this story, that, like, the women are the strongest characters. I mean, Torello is, like, he's really strong, too, but he's, like, broken in a way that, like, he can't, he feels he can never fix. And Bastian is on yeah. the borderline. Only Sandra's like, I have to keep it together. You know, like, don't have yeah. an option of breaking. Yeah. And... Yeah, I, I want like it. I want that way too. Yeah, I wanted to just. I don't know. I, I guess when I go and I'm just trying to make the characters just. I don't know as as real and individual as mm-hmm. as possible. So it's kind of like, so when I'm writing them, I don't. You know, like I think that that sometimes you know we all use like the character types and tropes and stuff like that but i i like to get a little bit deeper because the, mm-hmm. the different characters like male characters and female characters that they all cross lines as far as yeah. what you know you don't when you see male characters who are all like the typically in fantasy especially right like the um, warrior yeah the or the, the you know like torello is the 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 veteran right yeah. and he kind of but he's he's got a past he's got a emotions that have been yeah. you know broken and he's had to deal with that like um uh, a friend of mine we were joking about like how i write books that are like the my books are like the private lives of mercenaries what <laughs> 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 well, it kind of is because i'm kind of interested in that i'm like i'm like huh. I, I like all the action you know I mean, yeah stuff. totally but um, I also like to look at like how it affects yeah. them, you know, emotionally, mentally, and and how they can how they can get how they deal with it, how they can get past it, how they can you know, like I I, I often most of my characters are characters that make bad decisions or or yeah. at least uninformed, you know, like they're doing the best mm-hmm. they can with the information yeah. they've got, but sometimes yeah. that's bad and sometimes their judgment isn't <laughs> so great uh-huh. but then they have to like deal with it there are consequences there are real consequences yeah. to that and that's usually where my plots come from yeah i feel like the consequences are so much more interesting than like the causes in a lot of cases yeah you know like like a lot of times i'm um planning a story and i'll get into it and only after a lot of stuff has happened I'll be like oh this is where it's great. And this actually should be the beginning of the story. Cause like, Oh yeah. The first yeah. part just kind of feels flat, but like Bastien, like we come in, you don't exactly start with like, with the incident that, that, um, that like, that started his stew. You start with right. him in the stew already having made choices beyond that. And it's like so much more interesting. And yeah. I, I think that's my brain kind of works in that kind of nonlinear non-sequential way so i i get i get a character and they're doing things and then i'm like well why are you why Mm -hmm. are you like this you know Mm -hmm. like what's your story and then we back up and (laughs) because this you know and then you're like oh okay Mm -hmm. and then well how does because this push you forward 
yeah in what you're like now and so and so that's i i know that i don't know i guess that's the storytelling that comes naturally to me is just kind of that yeah back and forth um although it's it's difficult to smush it into a short story well it's a, a mere 10,000 words yeah this one's 14 <laughs> so i cheated <laughs> <laughs> I said, okay. Virginia, this is not going to fit in 10,000 words. She's like, just write your story, Angela. So. <laughs> She's like, I knew that was going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. She was not surprised. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'm like, I, I definitely call stories that are just a couple thousand words longer than that novellas. <laughs> oh, yeah. 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 I know. Yeah. So um, does that that interview with the character, does that happen while you're writing or does that happen like kind of in your brain before you start? Well, some of it happens before because I have to have some idea of where I'm yeah. going. Like I'm not a, not a total pantser. Like I don't just make mm -hmm. stuff up as I go along. I don't make yeah. everything up as I go along. So I kind of yeah. have plot points that I write to. And I kind of mm -hmm. have to have like, I usually have some scenes in my head, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I kind of start with a central idea about the mm -hmm. character and I'll know some things about them. Like I knew what Bastian had I knew what he had done I knew his mm -hmm. relationship had fallen apart and I knew kind of where he was going I hoped you know I was trying to get yeah. him there and then I kind of knew the other the you know some of the other characters mm -hmm. but then as I'm writing it they'll usually come up with surprises I'll be like you yeah. know they'll do things and I'm like no no wait we got to get a little deeper here and then mm. I'll go back. So, so this story always was supposed to be constructed with those kind of um, the nonlinear way, like doing the present with the, make mm -hmm. the past mixed in with the present, but some and the, of it, and the letters, which are like so cool, you know, the little, um, I'm forgetting the fancy word for them, but you know, oh, it's like a epistles, right? Epistles, yeah, yeah, epistolary, epistolary. yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, they're like brief little interviews with his soul that are just like hit so hard. <laughs> and and that was so. I did have that idea before. I was like, mm -hmm. okay, the first two scenes I kind of had in yeah. my head, and so I could get that and begin it. And then after that, I was like, but there were things about him and his background that came up as I was as I was writing, you know, like, why mm -hmm. are you doing this? And, mm -hmm. and like, um, the cards are important. And yeah. that was something that wasn't, I didn't have in my head until I started mm -hmm. writing. Mm -hmm. So that was something that I kind of figured out as I went along. That's awesome. Yeah, I feel like uh, a part of my process over the years of writing has been being more open to being surprised instead of being like we don't have room for that we're going to keep going oh yeah <laughs> sometimes i wish i was a little bit more like we don't have room for that let's just keep going you know like i feel like that i would go on you know i would hit less dead ends and wrong turns and and yeah. kind of you know but i guess i guess it's you know i i don't know maybe it all comes out in the wash in the end like i figure out some stuff i, I hopefully i'm getting better it knowing <laughs> where to go but it's yeah i mean a... i just feel like your payoff is character you know like you're giving them the yeah. space and time they need to like and i don't know i think ultimately that's what we all read for and that's yeah know, in this anthology it's been like the stories where i really believe in the character and feel for them are the ones that have stuck with me yeah there are there are a lot of really intense um 
well-done characters in this anthology and all yeah. the stories. Like, Which is so hard in a short word count. It's oh, like, no kidding. Yeah, yeah, it really is. I, I, some of the stories, you know, and they make me cry. Yep. Yep. Totally. <laughs> <That> was, <laughs> have to have that box of tissues. But yeah, <laughs> I know we should have, that should have been like a, a like a tear reward when you did the Kickstarter like, <laughs> yeah. box of tissues. Right. <laughs> I right. went to a, a book signing for um, Brent Weeks. Do you know him? He wrote the Lightbringer series. Yeah. Yeah. I went to the, um, his signing for the fifth and last book in it. Um, and everybody who came up to the table, he gave a box of tissues. <laughs> it's like save for chapter that's, 12 or something like that. <laughs> that's good. I don't know. You know, pretty awesome. Have your grandma crochet? I don't know how to crochet, but you know, like my grandma, <laughs> you like made those little uh-huh. cozies for your. Yeah, you could give one of those away. Totally. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Um. Well, do you want to read us a passage from it? Yeah, sure. I could do that. Um, let me get here. So I'll set it up just a little bit because this isn't quite the beginning so um this comes after one of those letters that bastian is writing to ava um who is his ex-wife and Mm -hmm. um he's not quite sure if she gets them or not so and then Mm -hmm. this is kind of where lisandra comes into the story Uh, okay so bastian are you free to help me a moment He looked up to see Lysandra herself walking toward him. He liked to be alone mostly, so he was sitting by himself on a flat rock, away from the other guards scattered around the wagons of this short baggage train. The rest of of camp was a sprawl of lazy activity on this rest day, playing card games, washing, laughing, talking, doing little chores of mending and repair. All around them, craggy peaks thrust into the sky like the ramparts of a wall, some still snow-covered though it was warm enough at this altitude for him to doff his tunic and roll his shirt sleeves to the elbows. The oversized landscape of mountains and towering pines dwarfed Lysandra and her children as they approached him, Lysandra holding her small son Yaska by one hand, her infant daughter Dora securely on the other hip. She smiled hesitantly at Bastian, and he fought the answering smile that sprang to his lips. The lady was not old or a dowager or mean, and she certainly didn't have spite lines at her mouth. At the moment, she only looked embarrassed and a little helpless. The baby clutched a thick lock of Lysandra's dark hair in one chubby fist, pulling the lady's head down to stuff the hair into her mouth. Lysandra's son, meanwhile, was trying to drag her toward the steep, gravelly slope to peer into the chasm below. But then he caught sight of another Gavaro sitting farther down the road next to the lead wagon, polishing his guns. Mama, mama, Yaska said excitedly. Mama, 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 he has guns. Can we see them? Can we help? Lysandra asked. Bastian hurriedly put down his paper and quill, located a rock to keep the paper from blowing away, and went to pry Dora's fingers from the lady's hair. It was harder than it looked. The baby's fingers were sticky with her last meal, and Lysandra had a lot of hair. Bastian tried not to appreciate how thick and glossy it was, or to notice how the brown and red streaks shone in the sun, making it look like polished wood. The sour but sweet baby smell clinging to her made him feel as if someone had rooted around in his chest, carving memories from his flesh. Remember this? This is what Ava and Checo smelled like. Only now Checo is almost the same age as Lysandra's son, and you've missed it. You've missed all of it. God. Spending time with Lysandra and her children made him happier than he had been in a long time, but the happiness came with an edge that cut him when he least expected it. He finally pulled all five of Dora's fingers away from her mother's hair. 
Dora chattered happily and reached for his beard. Oh, no, little miss, Lysandra said, catching the baby's hand. I see what you're doing. If she gets hold of your beard, Bastian, she'll never let go. It's all right. I'm a big, strong man. I could take it. Here, lady, I'll hold her while you straighten your hair. He glanced around curiously. Where's your maid? Uh, I gave my maids leave for a rest. They're just over there beneath that pine tree. Bastian looked for them vaguely. He made it a point to stay away from the maids. He didn't want to damage anyone's reputation. There probably wasn't any hope of winning Ava back after three years, but what if there was? It was better for him to keep to himself. Well, then, I'll take the children. I don't mind. Do I really look that bad? Tricked into looking at her, Bastian tried not to smile. The fuzzy strands hanging loose from her braid only made her more endearing. My lady, I am sorry to inform you that the young princess has completely vanquished your hair. Lysandra sniffed, then blushed in a damnably fetching way. It also appears that I have not removed all the spit-up from my person. I apologize that you've had to see me in this state. Mama, Mama, Yaska shouted. Please, the guns? Bastian pulled Dora firmly away from Lysandra and settled the baby in the crook of his arm, then reached down to take the boy's hand. Sarah, he said, let's give your mama a moment. I'll take you to see Torello. Oh, dear God, Lysandra murmured in amused horror. I'm to learn to shoot once we make it to my papa's hold, Yaska said excitedly. Papa has guns, too, and three big cannons on the walls. Have you ever heard a cannon? Are they loud? How far off can you hear them? Will Torello shoot the guns, too? Bastian glanced at Lysandra over his shoulder. Her expression was tight and a little worried as she tugged her hair free, then shook it out in a great mahogany curtain. Was she really going to braid it herself without waiting for a maid? He turned hastily, stabbed by another memory of Ava, looking just like that, smiling, but with worried lines at her eyes as he took Checo from her and danced around the room. Had he been drinking at the time? Oh, gods, Ava had probably been afraid he'd drop Checo. Bastian sighed and adjusted his hold on the baby girl, held Lysandra's son more firmly by the hand. Come on, little Sarah, he said to the boy. You'll have to follow the rules if you want Torello to show you the guns. You don't want to frighten your mother, do you? Mm. so good i feel this man's pain <laughs> yeah yeah he he's uh he's working on it he's uh you know like he has to come through some stuff he has to yeah he does i love the line about um about never being sure when it's going to cut him you know like it just like and yeah. and the smell being what brought him back is so good because they're so evocative and i know that sour sweet smell <laughs> yeah and it, it's it's fun it, you know like that's what i most associate with babies so totally yeah. spit up unfortunately spit up <laughs> and their wonderful smell on the tops of their heads <laughs> yeah awesome well um if people want to look more up about you um where can they find your stuff online um well i'm on twitter um, at Angela Board, and um, you can look at my website, AngelaBoard.com, which I did just update. So nice. I'm good there. You can sign up for my newsletter there. Cool. Yep. I'm one of your newsletter subscribers. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, and if they want to start um, reading your stuff, I mean, other than obviously buying our anthology, which came out today and reading right. it, right? <laughs> yeah. Where would be a good place to start? Um, Fortune's Fool is hmm. book one in the Italian Empire. Uh, series, although um, if you want to start with the big book, because it's big, um, Smuggler's <laughs> Fortune is, um, we were talking about this earlier, it's a novella, yep. technically. It's a small, a big book. Novella. <laughs> it's a big, small book. 
Um, and it is, it is standalone. If you do, if you want to dip yeah. your toes in without getting into the big book. And then I just, I just released, um, a book in a different series, the Rye Ascendant series. It's called Through Dreams So Dark. Mm. Um, and that just came out like a week ago. So that doesn't have, um, it's, it's in a different series than the story in the anthology, than Matter of Trust, but, um, yeah. And it's, okay. it's, like a cold war portal fantasy right yeah like, yeah that's a cold yeah. war portal fantasy um it's kind of it's it's big so it's kind of <laughs> old school portal fantasy so it has some epic you know more epic fantasy overtones to it too so that's awesome i mean it's all good i mean one thing you can say about long books is like you're getting a lot of value you get a lot of reading time <laughs> yeah yeah, I hope so. Sometimes I feel like it's Thanksgiving, like Thanksgiving dinner, you know, I spend like mm-hmm. a week making Thanksgiving dinner. And then I try to yeah. pace my books fast. And so mm-hmm. some people do, they read them really fast. Yeah. So it's like, you know, and then they're like, well, where, where's the next one? Which is good. I like that, you know, <laughs> do that. It's totally good. It's like, hold but on, I got to plan the next meal. <laughs> like, you know, I totally yeah. get that. Yeah, I feel like yeah, I also like- spend a long time cooking for my family and then we and they fast. demolish it like 30 yeah. minutes and they're like, like was okay, it good? And we're hungry again. So. <laughs> I don't know. You gotta eat crackers now. <laughs> right. Just have a snack. Smugglers <laughs> is a snack. It's a, <laughs> it is a snack, but it's a, it's, it's, a, it's a hearty and filling snack. It's not junk food. Yeah. I'll, it's I'll say like that. Wait for me to cook <laughs> the next book, which is, which is in the works. I've, I've, I'm, it's taken a while, but it's, it's coming. Always cooking up there. Yeah. I appreciate yeah. all the insight into your writing process. It was fun talking to you about that stuff. It's always it's always fun to talk to other writers, you know. Totally in this solitary task, it's nice to compare yeah. notes every now and then. Make the connections. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Well, um, I'm sure I'll see you on all the forums that we share. Um yep. and in the pages of our wonderful anthology, uh, you'll find links to buy that in the show notes as well. So please support it. It uh Angela's story is wonderful. So yeah, thank you. It's so nice to talk. Yeah, it's just good to talk to you too. For more information on Levi Jacobs and his books, including the award-winning Tide Collar Chronicles, visit www.levijacobs.com. Or for a free audiobook, only available to podcast listeners, go to www.levijacobs.com free. Thanks for listening, and read on.